This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Your Radio Doctor and their guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPHT or Odyssey. Your Radio Doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, products, physicians, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on Your Radio Doctor. Always consult your own physician. Today's program has been pre-recorded. Millions of Americans are losing their medical assistance or Medicaid coverage. If this affects you, Independence Blue Cross can help. You may be eligible to enroll in a health plan for as little as $0 a month. With Independence Blue Cross, you get the largest provider network in the area, including most Keystone First Doctors and hospitals. We also offer free 24-7 telemedicine, coverage for hospital stays and prescriptions. See if you qualify for $0 health insurance and enroll today. Call Independence Blue Cross at 1-844-464-2583 or visit ibx.com slash stay covered. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. It's time for the Delaware Valley's first radio doctor. On call every Saturday afternoon at 5. This is your radio doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. Listen, 7 months or 10 months is an absolutely exceptional, exceptionally short time frame to produce this vaccine. Your health determines your life, your longevity, and your happiness. Let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Good evening and welcome to your radio doctor. I'm your host, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Summer and fall, very popular times to travel. But when it comes to visiting areas in the world which present risk of exposure to serious illness, fewer than half of travelers seek advice. So plan a visit to a travel medicine provider before your trip to learn about prevention and treatment of malaria, other mosquito-borne illnesses, traveler's diarrhea, and other infections. Our guest today is Dr. Morris Salmon, Associate Professor of Emergency Medicine at the Lewis Katz School of Medicine at Temple University. Welcome, Maura. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Maura, so we, we just commented that of travelers headed for high-risk regions, Less than half, or I should say fewer than half, seek advice. Um, and if you do see a travel medicine provider, we want you to go at least a month in advance. So we're going to get into some of those details about planning before the trip, knowing how to behave during the trip, especially if you become ill, and then what to expect when you return. But before we march forward, I would love for people to hear your fascinating story and how you became involved in travel medicine as a traveler yourself. So I originally actually was a traveler myself. When I graduated from residency, I did my residency at George Washington University in Washington, D.C. And when I graduated from residency, I decided I wanted to take some time off and just relax a little bit. And so I planned a trip to Southeast Asia. When I got to Southeast Asia, I had then planned on spending two days in Cambodia. Um, not a long time. I just wanted to see the, the ruins at Angkor and, and maybe see the city a little and, and be out. However, what happened was when I got to Phnom Penh, they were having an election at the time, and I walked into one of the areas where they were doing their electioneering and met a gentleman who spoke fluent English. And 
I'm going to make a very long story short. We started talking and uh, realized that he was actually really good friends with my uncle in Mount Pocono, Pennsylvania. This, this Cambodian man had actually lived in the United States for quite some time and was really good friends with my uncle in Mount Pocono. And so obviously he then took me right under his wing and said, well, you know, I, this is my, this is my friend's niece. I've got to take her around. And so I ended up spending several more weeks in Cambodia. And after I was there for a while, I said, well, I should look into doing some volunteer work while I'm here. And so I went to a hospital and the gentleman who was working in the hospital, he was in charge of the emergency department there, comes out and says, oh, no, 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 we don't treat Americans here. And I explained, no, I'm, a, I'm an emergency department physician and, and I'm interested in some future volunteer opportunities. And so we sat down and we started talking and it turns out that when I was in medical school, he was in residency and we both lived in East Falls and our backyards actually touched each other. So it was just these amazing coincidences that really led me to do this. And at that time, I started volunteering in Phnom Penh in Cambodia. And I, at the time I was volunteering, I volunteered there for two months a year for six years. And then I eventually came back into academic medicine. And after I came back into academic medicine, I started working with some partners in India that Temple has a partnership with. And then I also started, I was the medical director for several refugee clinics in Mexico. And uh, I have worked on some capacity building projects in Iraq. And uh, I also was the medical director for Operation Allies Welcome, which our wonderful city, I am so proud, our wonderful city was able to show our, our brotherly love by welcoming all of our allies from Afghanistan when Kabul fell and they, the majority of them came through Philadelphia and through the Philadelphia airport. And we in Philadelphia really were able to shine on that. And, and I really would like to give a, a little shout out to Dr. Mm -hmm. Cheryl Bettigal, who is the commissioner of health and was really involved in making this happen and really just showed how wonderful Philadelphia is and how important global health can be in here in local Philadelphia. Exactly. It's global mm -hmm. health. So as you call it, global health, it's a combination of global and it's an incredible story. And I have to ask while I'm listening to you, uh, because we can say a smile is the same in any language. I would think a look of anguish is the same in any language. And I've had patients, you know, when I trained in New York or even when I came back to Philly, that don't speak a speck of English and will use our best um, clues, uh, hand signaling, et cetera, to try to figure out what's what's happening when a patient's in distress. How many languages do you speak? Well, I only speak one fluently. I only speak English fluently. 
but I speak some Cambodian, some Spanish, and some Dutch. Um, pepper a tiny bit of Arabic in there, and then I can get by in a few different places. <laughs> and what's interesting is probably English is probably the hardest language to learn because we're such an amalgam of so many colloquialisms because we have been such a, a melting pot for so long. So let's go on a trip. What do we Sounds do great. before we, we go? Uh, I'm thinking Ocean City, New Jersey. That's a great place to go. <laughs> Shouldn't need any vaccinations. But um, so we, we have to lay out the plan and we're going to go see the doctor or provider. And the doctor, before you can make a good plan, has to know what your itinerary is, how long you'll be traveling or the duration of your trip and the purpose. As you say, if you're staying in hotels and the water is filtered, et cetera, um, although we should still go with bottled water. Yes. Um, are you going to be staying in a hotel or are you going to be camping? Are you going to be staying with a family, et cetera? So they're the, the three buckets, I guess. And um, your own personal history, right? Is this, do you have a pretty empty slate of medical conditions or might you be immunocompromised from a transplant or HIV? Are you pregnant? All those things. How do we start? Absolutely. So the very first thing that you should do is you should really plan ahead. So you want to make sure that you're making your appointment with your travel medicine physician at least 30 days prior to your departure. Honestly, I think the earlier the better. You know, you really mm. should do this as you're as you're making your plans, integrate your your safety into your planning. When you're making your appointment with your travel medicine physician, there are some things that you really want to make sure that you bring with you. You want to bring with you where you're going, so what areas you'll be visiting, what type of travel you'll be doing. Are you going to be staying in large metropolitan areas? Are you going to be staying in hotels? Or are you going to be going out into the field? Are you going to be staying with family? Where are you going to be eating? Are you going to be eating in established restaurants? Or are you going to be eating in people's homes? Or are you going to be bringing food with you? These are all really important things for your travel physician to know so that they can help you develop a plan that's going to work for you. You also want to discuss with your travel physician what are your prior medical conditions and how can that impact you in your travel? Several reasons. One is if you have pre-existing medical conditions that may make you immunocompromised, that may affect which vaccines they'll choose for you. Also, you want to make sure that you have access to any medications that you may need with you before you go. Don't assume that you'll be able to get medications where you're going. And then you want to work with your travel medicine physician on what kind of a plan you're going to have for if something happens when you're abroad. Those are all things that you want to make sure that you have laid out well before you go. I'm a big believer in preparation. And the more you prepare, I'm sorry, I'm a little superstitious. The more you prepare, the less likely something bad is going to happen. No, I hear you. And one of the things you and I discussed the other day, people that return to their country of origin, let's say a person returns to 
someplace in Southeast Asia, let's just pick India because you mentioned that, and they've been living here for a while, they're probably less likely to see a travel medicine provider, yes? And they may not realize that now their flora, their GI tract bacteria has changed, and they might be more at risk for illness than they think, um, especially for things like malaria and typhoid fever. They're more commonly affected than people who were born and raised here, yes? Absolutely, particularly when we're talking about falciparum malaria. When we're talking about falciparum malaria, people who live in areas that falciparum malaria is endemic, they develop a certain degree of resistance to this so that if they get sick, they don't get as sick as someone who's never been exposed to it before. Many of these individuals will come to the U.S., live in the U.S. for years, their body changes. They'll then go back and visit family and not realize how much their body has changed and how important it is for them to take prophylaxis while they're there. Mm -hmm. And I think the other point you mentioned, even your own story, you went with a plan to stay in Cambodia for a couple of days that turned into weeks, maybe months. So the other thing is if you are on chronic meds that you're not sure you'll be able to get in the middle of another country, pack at least an extra week's worth. If you're playing, your return trip gets delayed or maybe even more. I know my husband and I went on a trip and we landed and we're walking through the airport and he starts looking for pharmacy. I'm like, honey, what do you need a pharmacy for? I have a war chest with me. I have band-aids. I have bubble gum. I have everything we need. And he was, he was afraid to tell me that he brought two empty bottles of pills. Oh <laughs> no. And luckily we were able to get his heart meds, but, um, and I know that you said the number one enemy in your book or the number one concern you have when you advise people is the mosquitoes. Oh. What should people know about those skeeters? Absolutely. So when we talk about prevention, mosquito prevent, mis prevention from mosquito-borne illnesses is always really, really high on the list. So mosquitoes carry diseases like malaria, and then they also carry what are called arboviruses, dengue, Zika, chikungunya, yellow fever. These are all diseases that can be potentially fatal and yes. are preventable by either chemoprophylaxis, meaning taking pills like malaria, or by just preventing the mosquito bites themselves. And when we're talking about preventing mosquito bites, what we're talking about is we're talking about the different types of mosquito repellents that are out there. And I'd really like to share with listeners sort of the, the two main ways to repel mosquitoes. Let's stay with us during the break and we'll be back with Dr. Moore Salmon and more about prevention of mosquito-borne illnesses. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, exclusively presented by Independence Blue Cross. If you have a question for the medical mailbag, just send a note to doctor at yourradiodoctor.net.
At Independence Blue Cross, we believe in giving you the tools you need to pursue your healthiest life. From premiums as low as $0 per month to health discounts and cash rewards, it pays to have coverage with Independence. With the strongest network of doctors and hospitals in the region and free 24-7 virtual doctor visits, you can feel confident that quality care is always within reach. Learn more about your coverage options at ibx.com. When Recovery Centers of America at Devon opened its campuses on the main line and in South Jersey, they offered a new approach, local addiction treatment led by an expert caring team of professionals. RCA has since helped thousands and leads the way in innovative programs and exceptional inpatient and outpatient care, all in a beautiful setting that allows for healing and recovery. RCA answers the phone and admits patients 24-7, 365, including the holidays. All admitted patients and staff are routinely tested for COVID-19. Call now at 1-888-RECOVERY. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. Welcome back to your radio doctor, and we're here with our guest, Dr. Maura Salmon from Temple University Hospital. Maura, we're learning so much how we should prepare for a trip, especially to a country where we're at risk for mosquito-borne illnesses. And you said, it's not just malaria. There's a collection of arboviruses that include dengue fever, which is nasty. I know you told me that you've been exposed to that upfront and personal more than once. I had dengue once, yes. Uh-huh. And uh, and Zika. You don't hear uh, Zika. Listen to me, Zika. And um, and yellow fever and chikungunya. So I chikungunya. Chikungunya. Sorry, and I didn't mention dance fever. I don't know if there's any. I, I wouldn't want to be immunized from that. I need, I like that. Yeah, no, I def, we definitely, especially the BG version. Oh my gosh. And the BG strain is amazing. Yeah, so don't, don't give me a vaccine for Saturday night fever or dance fever. But so the vaccinations depend, of course, where you're going. And as you say, we want to make sure, are you allergic to any of the contents of the vaccine? Like I know my dad went to get the new, uh, pneumonia vaccine. He was allergic to eggs, we've, we learned. Is that a component of any of these vaccines? Not many. Mm-hmm. Not many, but it is something that you should be discussing with your provider. Mm-hmm. So you want to talk about immunizations. Where are we with that? I do. I would love to talk about immunization, and I would love to talk about preventing insect bites. Those are the two biggest things that I want to talk about. How about we start with insect bites since we just almost dove into that in the last session. So prevention is key here. There's two ways to prevent yourself from mosquito bites. One is the typical mosquito spray that we use. And there's two common forms that are really, really considered to be the gold standard. One is DEET and the other is Picardin. DEET, a lot of people don't like it because it's got a really, really strong chemically smell. People are a little afraid of it. They're worried that it's gonna be dangerous. It's not. It's actually one of the most well-studied chemicals on this planet. It's safe for Mm. infants. It's safe for old people. It's safe for pregnant people. It's safe for everyone. The downside of DEET is if you're vain like me, it dissolves your manicure and your pedicure. So Mm. I'll be honest, personally, I use a little Picardin because that doesn't dissolve your manicure and your pedicure. Now, those sprays don't actually repel mosquitoes. What they do is they hide your odor from the mosquito. There's another chemical, however, called Picardin, 
which you actually can soak your clothes in. It's not meant to be put directly in skin, but you can soak your clothes in it prior to traveling, and then it'll stay in your clothes for six washes. And that actually helps repel mosquitoes. So when you're talking about mosquito prevention, I definitely prefer that two-prong approach. Sure. And then you're going to wear, if it's not super hot, long sleeves, long pants with socks to really make it harder for the the mosquitoes to bite. And I know I've read that um, depending where you are, if if malaria or West Nile virus, another bad one, you want to avoid that they're out from dusk to dawn. So you want to avoid being out at nighttime or sleep with a mosquito net. And daytime bugs are are the the mosquitoes that would carry the, the virus, as you mentioned. Uh, Correct. Chikagunya, yellow, Zika, and dengue. And so all of that, what layperson would know all those things unless they've already traveled a lot? But that these are the reasons why we want the advice of somebody who does this all day, every day. Yes? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so the other big thing, of course, I get questions about this myself. Hey, doc, I'm going on a trip. Can you prescribe something for traveler's diarrhea? Well, I remember I always say no, because I'm not a travel medicine doctor. If I were the only show in town, I would look it up and take the chance, but we have the luxury of travel medicine docs. Um, because uh, was it Southeast Asia some years ago that we started to notice a resistance to the usual go-to drugs? Absolutely. And now that resistance has really gotten worldwide and it's because of overuse of antibiotics. And to be honest, There's really little reason to treat most travelers' diarrhea. Most travelers' diarrhea will resolve on its own within a week without any treatment. Few exceptions to that. If you start having profound diarrhea, you're getting dehydrated. If you're having bloody diarrhea, those are reasons to seek immediate medical care. Another thing that you can do to prevent traveler's diarrhea besides taking an antibiotic is actually to take Pepto-Bismol. Mm-hmm. Now, you got to take a lot of Pepto-Bismol to do this effectively. You got to take two tablets with every meal, but it does work. It can prevent traveler's diarrhea. Mm-hmm. So the bismuth is what binds to the toxin of E. coli or whatever the bug is and shuts it down. So it's two tablets. I always tell my patients two tablets with every meal or four times a day um, and begin it 48 hours before they leave and be aware it's going to make your stool look black Yep. and it may constipate you, which makes it easier to sightsee if you're not running to the potty for another reason. So, uh, you know, you pick your poison, but, but that's such an innocent thing to prevent the onslaught. And we want people to wash their hands, which we should do. You, know, you put your hands on a supermarket uh, cart and then you eat a snack. No, you should wash your hands every time before you eat, especially when you're on a trip. And we know that the contaminated food and water always do bottled water. You can brush your teeth with bottled water because the other Absolutely. the other big things that can really make you sick you know, are hepatitis A and E. Yeah? Yes, yes, yes. And well, actually, this is a great segue because then we, so first, absolutely, you're correct. With bottled water, don't just drink bottled water. Do everything with bottled water. Brush your teeth with bottled water. Don't drink 
soda with ice in it because often the mm -hmm. ice is made from tap water. If you're going and getting a salad, that salad has probably been rinsed in mm -hmm. tap water. You probably should stay away from that. Now, when you're talking about things like hepatitis A, that's really something that you should be trying to prevent ahead of time with a vaccination. Mm. That's really one of the most commonly given vaccinations for travel. And, you know, you could argue that even here in the city of Philadelphia, there have been some outbreaks of hepatitis A and people should really consider getting immunized for hepatitis A regardless. Right. I remember as in my early days of practice, we had a grand rounds or a, for the whole uh, hospital. We had a, a lecture, a woman and her husband and family used to travel to the islands every year. Christmas time, she came back, didn't feel well, comes to the ER with a hemoglobin of four. So for our listeners, normal for a woman is somewhere between 12 and maybe 16. For a man, it's four to eight, 14 to 18. So she was had a level incompatible with life for much longer. And it was hepatitis A. Hepatitis A is usually flu-like. It's annoying. It comes and goes, but in a small, under 1%, but you don't want to be one of that uh, few uh, that can have acute liver failure. That's a good, a nasty thing to happen. It could take your life or this woman, the virus killed all her red cells. But the other thing that we were talking about too was with ice cubes, I had a patient tell me religious, perfectly careful about not ice cubes or drinking water out of a, anything but a bottle got on the plane to come home from Mexico and the ice was supplied by Mexico and she had a Coke or ginger ale or something that had ice cubes in it. And a few days later paid a big price. So it, pretty much hold on, stay hydrated. We're not going to jump to antibiotics unless you have fever. We didn't talk about that. Bloody diarrhea would be scary. Or if you're so super dehydrated, you might need an antibiotic. That's correct. Uh, although even with mm -hmm. fever, we sometimes just let it gotcha. run its course. So that brings us to where you travel or behavior. If you're swimming or you're going to beaches, especially you don't want to swim in fresh water. Am I right about that? Ooh, there's definitely some places on this planet that you do not want to go into fresh water because you can get schistosomiasis as, mm -hmm. well, as, as well as some other, we call them helminth, worm infection, mm -hmm. infections. Mm -hmm. And uh, swimming in uh, particularly some places in sub-Saharan Africa, Southeast Asia, the Middle East, you can get schistosomiasis. And that's, that's something that can cause some pretty significant illness. And I know, I guess it's safe to swim in a pool if you're guaranteed that it's chlorinated, that chlorine should keep fresh water in a pool. Mm -hmm. Correct. But I guess Correct. that would include too then you don't want to be walking barefoot or in loose fitting flip flops and on beaches or on soil or near water that's contaminated with human or doggy feces. Doggy doo doo. Absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There are other infections that you can get from walking barefoot on soil. You can mm -hmm. get hookworm infections from walking barefoot on so on contaminated soil. Absolutely. I always remember that, memorize that in med school because I envisioned a hook. Go, but it goes through your skin. That worm yes. is able to go through the skin in your foot and wreak all kinds of trouble. And I noticed uh, we had a son who um, spent some time uh, teaching in South America. And I was a little nervous about seeing him go and nervous about bringing the rest of the family for visit. 
it was magnificent. I'm glad we got to go. But I noticed a lot of dogs just wandering around aimlessly. So people need to know stray dogs. I was trying to get the word stray. That I guess people have dogs for protection, but they it's kind of like a, a, a big loose family of, of dogs. And they can have rabies, yeah? Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we don't think about that in the United States because rabies in domesticated animal, animals, even if they're not immunized, it's, it's still pretty low. But in many other parts of the world, that is not the case. And rabies is extremely common in dogs and in cats and and other what we consider to be domesticated animals. And the problem is, is if you're bit, for example, if you're bit here in the United States, you go to an emergency department, we can immediately give you rabies immunoglobulin and then start your vaccination after that. In many other places of the world, you may have difficulty getting rabies immunoglobulin. So you might want to consider to get a primary vaccine schedule for rabies if you're going somewhere where you're going to be at risk. Good point. Because uh, that's the other thing. If you are in a place that doesn't have it available, you have to be ready to move quickly. How far after uh, a bite, how much time do you have to really get started? Hours? Hard to say. No, not hours. You, it's, 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 that's, that's actually a complicated yeah. answer. Yeah. You have you have more you have more than hours. So ask your provider. But you really shouldn't you really shouldn't mm -hmm. delay it. So if you're in a foreign long. country, don't let your children pet Correct. the neighbor's dog. Traffic accidents that could be one of the more common causes of death among travelers. So become familiar with the local driving conditions and don't drink and drive. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know this also brings up the question of what happens if you do get into an accident when you're abroad and what happens if you do get sick when you're abroad how are you planning on preparing for that mm -hmm. well with that question in mind we're going to ask you to stay with us and return after the break and now for your real champion I call this segment Amanda, one of Ainsley's Angels. Amanda Piccarelli Hall believes everything happens for a reason. She was a Division I athlete in college, and two years after graduation, she was not in a happy place. A friend asked her to run a half marathon, and she did, but without training. Despite the pain, running became her happy place. She then combined her love of sports and her desire to help the community and in 2011, she became a cross-country coach with the Special Olympics. Sometime later, she noticed a social media post about a group that was pairing runners with individuals with special needs. Amanda contacted the group, and much to her surprise, she became connected with Liam in Ireland. On went the light bulb. Amanda notes, I found my purpose in life. I'm supposed to be supporting others, to use my legs for them, but more importantly, to share my heart with them. In the process of looking for a chariot, which is the running bike, to bring to Ireland to run with Liam, a friend connected her with Kim Rossiter, who has a beautiful story in his own right. You see, Kim Rossiter and his wife, Lori, welcomed the birth of their beautiful little girl named Ainsley in 2003. She was their second of three children, always wearing a smile. 
Kim is a former major in the Marines, and while he was deployed in Iraq in 2005, his wife Lori noticed that baby Ainsley wasn't reaching certain milestones and the diagnosis of INAD, infantile neuroaxonal dystrophy, was made. It's a rare disorder of the nervous system. Kim and Lori decided to cherish and celebrate every day of their little girl's short life while they still had her. Kim began taking Ainsley for runs in a special chair. He wanted her to experience the freedom of taking her machines off and just going for a run so she could feel the wind blowing across her happy smile. He say her face lit up like the sun. They lost their precious Ainsley when she reached the age of 12, but they turned their grief into Ainsley's Angels, a nonprofit that pairs able-bodied runners to use their legs to push people with disabilities in endurance events. Kim is the founder and president of the organization. So when Amanda contacted Kim to borrow a racing chariot for her trip to Ireland, the like-minded athletes for others connected and have never looked back. Like Kim, Amanda has been able to combine her love of sport with her love of people in a unique way. And as she says, fitness is not a one-size-fits-all model, and inclusion needs to be part of the plan. Amanda has become the ambassador of Ainsley's Angels for all of Southeast Pennsylvania, and she's also the vice president of marketing on the national level. The Ainsley's Angels community now includes 35,000 differently abled runners who participate in 5K runs, marathons, and community events, and reach 70 cities in 30 states. Amanda believes the mission goes beyond yourself. It's about giving back to the community and allowing others to experience the joy that you get when you experience your health journey. A person with any type of physical, mental, or emotional disability should be able to fit into the world just like any able-bodied person can on a regular basis. Besides running, the riders now go to ice skating rinks and skate with roller derby girls. Amanda shared stories of many of the riders, like the twin sisters in their 20s and their inspirational parents, a family who brings the fun wherever they go. Most riders are wheelchair-bound. The first time Amanda ran, she pushed a rider who was on a ventilator attached to his trachea. That's the Adam's apple area of the neck. Amanda remembers the mom saying, here's how you suction them. See you later. Amanda felt nervous, but knew if the mom believed in her, she had to believe in herself. Another rider, Gabe, has cerebral palsy. He's also sometimes an angel pusher. And another runner is blind and push an athlete through the entire Boston Marathon. Most of the riders are nonverbal, but their screams and smiles bring light to their faces and to Amanda's face. She says, I adore what I get to do. I get to include people who would usually be on the sidelines and help them cross finish lines. Amanda has been named a Be Well Philly Health Hero in 2019 by Philadelphia Magazine. You see, Amanda walks the walk as a runner and talks the talk as the national VP of marketing for this amazing, that's capital A, capital A, amazing community. We salute you, Amanda Piccarelli Hall, your rail champion. Please take a look at the website, ainsleysangels.org. That's Ainsley's without an apostrophe, A-I-N-S-L-E-Y-S, angels.org. 
A racing chariot could cost anywhere from $1,000 to $5,000. The more chairs they add to the fleet and pay for riders, the more opportunity for riders to roll. That's angelsangels.org. Today's edition of Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross, can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere, at your convenience. Just download the Odyssey app and search Your Radio Doctor. It's health education on demand. Millions of Americans are losing their medical assistance or Medicaid coverage. If this affects you, Independence Blue Cross can help. You may be eligible to enroll in a health plan for as little as $0 a month. With Independence Blue Cross, you get the largest provider network in the area, including most Keystone First doctors and hospitals. We also offer free 24-7 telemedicine, coverage for hospital stays and prescriptions. See if you qualify for $0 health insurance and enroll today. Call Independence Blue Cross at 1-844-464-2583 or visit ibx.com slash stay covered. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, now Saturday afternoons at 5, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC. Welcome back to Your Radio Doctor. We are so pleased to have Dr. Maura Sadman because we're learning a lot about preparing and being careful when we travel. One of those things we talked about was traffic accidents uh, cause a lot of deaths among travelers because People aren't familiar. They're not used to driving on the other side of the road uh, and the, the local driving conditions and rules. And please don't drink alcohol and drive. STIs, we just did a great show, not because of me, but because of our guest, Dr. Sarah Keeley Schultz from Temple, your dear friend. Um, and we talked about STIs and she reminded our listeners that hepatitis B, thank goodness we've gotten into that um uh, practice of vaccinating children so that it has really lowered the uh, incidence in our country. But hepatitis B is more contagious than HIV. Correct. Um, but either one, either one are, can be life-threatening. So be honest, you, you were starting to say, Maura, when you see your provider. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot, one of the things is that people tend to behave a little differently when they're on vacation other than they be, the way they behave at home. People are a little more willing to take risks when they're traveling yeah. than when they're at yeah. home. And you want to be honest with your healthcare provider about, you know, should you perhaps bring with you post-exposure HIV prophylaxis? If that's something that you think you may end up getting yourself exposed to discuss that with your provider to see if it might be something that would be wise for you to take with you. Mm -hmm. And if you do connect with somebody and have relations, check with your doctor when you come home and get tested, yes? Absolutely. And wear a condom. Yeah, for Pete's sake. Well, um, then it's the next question, I guess, is what does a traveler do if he or she develops a fever? I tell all my patients, you know, even if it's just a hiccup, carry a thermometer when you travel. Um, there's, it's such an easy thing, especially if you have children. I remember we were on a family trip one time and my, my youngest, um, our youngest uh, was about six or seven years old and he felt warm and warmer. And I was able to tell he had a, a temp of 104 and, you know, I was in a place where I could get help, but it's so easy to carry a thermometer and so smart. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, this also sort of brings it back into being prepared. 
part of being prepared is preparing for what you're going to do if you get sick while you're abroad. And that brings up the subject of not just travel insurance in general, but travel health insurance. Now, many travel insurances include travel health insurance, but you should always check to make sure that Mm -hmm. you're covered with the travel health insurance. And the great thing about the major companies that do this, for example, International SOS is one of the largest that does travel medical insurance, is that if you get ill while you're abroad, A, you can contact your insurance company they will likely have a physician that will be able to give you advice over the phone. B, they will know what clinic to send you to that is both Mm. reliable and will be covered by your insurance. And C, if they determine that you're really sick and need to get home, how are they going to evacuate you home safely? And they have, you know, the, the better travel insurances have health evacuation insurance and how to get you home and how to get you home safely. And I, I worked for one of these companies very briefly when I was in residency and we would transport people that were sometimes critically ill wow. back on an airplane and do it safely. And, you know, it's funny you should mention that because I had to do CPR seven times inside of five years. I don't know. I, just that little cloud was following me. And fortunately, um, everybody was uh, came out okay. But two of those episodes happened on planes in America. And yeah. uh, the one patient we had to put an IV in, and I think the IV may have been meant for a Barbie doll. It was so teeny, teeny, teeny. <laughs> And the bag of fluid, <laughs> I could have hidden the bag of fluid in my purse, you know. There was so little uh, uh, in terms of resources. But we brought her back, thank goodness, and uh, all, all was well. But um, they're the things, like you say, you want travel health insurance, not just travel insurance in case your trip is delayed or canceled. Travel health insurance and make sure they have accommodations and you, the insurance covers the evacuation part. Absolutely. Which can be very costly. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and when the car is rolling down the hill, you have to be able to find that emergency brake. You don't wait till you're critically ill to say, where's the helicopter? Where's the bicycle? How am I going to get out of here? Right? Exactly. You need to be prepared well ahead of time. So I know you said, and people should know this, um, there are parts of the city where um, hepatitis A is rising. Um, we yes. as physicians refer to the transmission is fecal oral. People use the bathroom, they don't wash their hands, and then they handle food or they they touch somebody else's food or whatever. So it's a matter of hand washing, hand washing, hand washing. If we hadn't learned that from COVID, we never will. But um, you're giving out free vaccinations at Temple University Hospital and your Episcopal site, yes? Tell us about that. Correct, correct, correct. Because we are seeing an outbreak of hepatitis A in that part of the city right now and uh, it's unfortunately it's affecting a large portion of people that don't have great access to health care and so in an effort to provide some outreach we are partnered with the department of health so that we are offering hepatitis a vaccines 
pretty much to all of our patients that are coming into the Episcopal campus at, at Temple University because we realize that that may be the only opportunity that they have to get vaccinated. I, I wonder, I guess a little bit of it might be because people don't have a safe place to live and it's hard for them to find a bathroom. Yeah, exactly. 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 Heartbreaking. People, it is heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. That any human should have to live that way. Um, so yeah, it is. the other things we talk about is, uh, are, um, if a person's going on a cruise and you think it's all glam, glam, and it, it, I'm sure it is, but you'll hear of these episodes of people getting the Norwalk virus or how is that spread? Norovirus. Norovirus. Yes. I used to think it was getting in the hot tub, that, that the hot tub is kind of lukewarm. It's, it's sort of, it's a, a Petri dish for cooties to simmer. No, it's, you don't think it's that. It's what do you think it is? It's, it's, it's from the food. Yummy. It's from the food. It's, it's also fecal oral and it spreads like wildfire in a population. So I, I, I've personally, I've taken two cruises in my life and let me tell you, I had hand sanitizer with me at all times and just constantly, constantly, constantly putting hand sanitizer on my hands. Be and then the buffets, oh, they are <laughs> tasty. Because, but the thing is, yeah. you can wash your hands, but if Charlie Brown and Harry and Larry and Gary and Barry don't wash their hands and they're touching the, the um, spoon that dishes out the, the rice or right. the tomatoes. So that's it. You touch a spoon that's been somebody licks their hand and then touches the spoon because it's not like they're putting their hand in the food. Although I have seen that in supermarkets. I've seen it I think, many times. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why I never got COVID because I was eating from salad bars in supermarkets. So my immune system was so ready, but <laughs> cooties are tasty. But so, so if you travel on a cruise, you want to think really hard about enjoying the buffet. Uh, yeah, I, I personally don't eat off of buffets. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that not unless yeah, it's I, I'm I'm individually wrapped. Yeah. 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 Um so we and we want to remind people to take again, take a sufficient supply of the medications you're on right now. Um and I guess the other thing is uh, if people are allergic to antibiotics, you have to tell your healthcare provider or the person prescribing the plan, you know what, I one time got a rash from XYZ so that they say, okay, we usually suggest amoxicillin for this country, but now we have to have an alternative. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And don't carry your med, don't pack your medicines in your suitcase that's being put in the belly of the plane. It stays right next to you in your carry-on, no matter what else, you know, maybe one pair of underpants and your medicines in that carry-on bag. You don't need games and toys and, you know, video games and all that. The most important thing to pack in your carry-on bag is obviously your ID, your, and a second copy of your passport. I always make two or three copies and put one in every bag and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Yes, you, you definitely do not want to be caught without your medications because you do mm -hmm. not know if you're going to be able to access them where you are. Different countries have all sorts of different laws governing medications. And some in some countries, you can just walk into a pharmacy and buy whatever you want. In other countries, it has to come from a, you know, you have to get a prescription that is from a local physician. And then some of these countries are, have, 
nationalized healthcare. So you then have to figure out how you're going to get to a mm. clinic that will actually treat you as a non-citizen and be able to get your medications. So don't risk losing them. Don't put them down in your checked yeah. luggage. Keep them on you. And I wonder, I just heard recently I, that beginning in 2024, uh, at least 30 European countries are going to require a visa just to visit their country. So it sounds as though everything's going to be a step harder. Uh, am I right about that? I did read about that as well. And yeah, that mm -hmm. is that definitely is something that's going to cause some more barriers and, mm -hmm. and challenges. And, you know, after uh, September 11, I remember that was the turning point when their restrictions are bringing more than four ounces of fluid on a plane and that sort of thing came into play. I think that's supposed to get a little bit less restricted. But for the longest time, the airlines requested that if you had a bottle of medication, it had to be labeled. They don't seem to be checking that so stringently now, but it's good for you to keep it labeled. The airlines might not check it, but when you're going into a local country, they may check That's it. That's why I was so asking, yeah. That is a guideline that you should still follow. Even if the airline isn't checking it, you don't know what's going to happen when you arrive in another country. And you should really be familiar with what is prohibited in the destination that you will be traveling to. Yeah, definitely. Because I know myself, just to make it easier, especially if I'm going to visit one of my children or something, instead of, you know, two or three bottles with my vitamin or whatever it is, um, and mine aren't even that important. I'll just take one empty vial and put enough in for three days or something. But you can't, you can't think that way when you're going to somebody else's home for a visit, you're going to another country and they, they have different, uh, practices. Yes. Correct. Correct. Mm -hmm. You really should err on the side of caution and have everything well labeled, especially since it probably would only take about 10 minutes. Let's take a little break and we'll be back for a wrap up with Dr. Morris Salmon. Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie is presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. Hi, I'm Pete Vernig, Vice President of Clinical Services for Recovery Centers of America and one of your drug and alcohol experts from RCA. Today I'm here to talk to you about the effects of excessive alcohol consumption. Excessive alcohol use can have harmful effects on physical and mental health, as well as social and economic well-being. Physically, it can lead to various health problems, including liver disease, cardiovascular disease, cancer, and neurological disorders. It can also weaken the immune system, making individuals more susceptible to infections and illness. Over time, excessive alcohol use can cause permanent damage to the body, including brain damage, organ failure, and even death. Mentally, it can negatively affect mood and behavior and increase the risk of depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. It can also lead to memory loss, impaired judgment, and risky behavior. Excessive alcohol use is also known to cause long-term mental health issues like alcohol-induced psychosis, hallucinations, and delirium tremens. Excessive consumption can strain relationships, lead to job loss or decreased work performance, and negatively impact academic performance. Alcohol misuse can also have a significant financial impact as individuals may spend large amounts on alcohol or face legal fees related to DUIs or other alcohol-related incidents. 
If you or a loved one needs help with alcohol or drugs, reach out to Recovery Centers of America at 833-969-0268 or visit rcaradiodoctor.com. That's R-C-A-R-A-D-I-O-D-R.com. We answer the phone and admit patients 24-7. I'm always striving to live my healthiest life, so I need a health plan that has my back. With Independence Blue Cross, I get access to the largest network of doctors and hospitals in the region and free virtual doctor visits 24-7. Plus, with premiums as low as $0 per month, I can stay on top of my health and keep my budget in check. Independence has given me coverage I can count on, and they'll do the same for you. Learn more about your coverage options at ibx.com. And in our final segment of Your Radio Doctor, we call this your weekly prescription. Thank you so much, Dr. Maura Salmon from Temple University Hospital, superstar of emergency medicine, but also for the great tips that you learned as a traveler yourself and as a healthcare provider to help people have a safe and enjoyable trip when they travel to foreign countries. What is your take-home message for our listeners? So my take-home message is to start with preparation. Start with preparation, go see a travel medicine physician, discuss with that travel physician, are there vaccines that you should take for vaccine-preventable illnesses? How far ahead of time do you need to take these vaccines? Are you traveling somewhere where you need malaria prophylaxis? Most malaria prophylaxis, all malaria prophylaxis should be started prior to your departure. So you need to discuss where you're going, what are the diseases that you're likely to be exposed to, and what you can do to prevent them. Once you get on the ground, really it's once again all about prevention. So you want to think of what are things that you're going to do to prevent yourself from getting insect bites. Deep, Picardin, Permethrin. Keep those skeeters away from you. They are evil little vampires. Keep them away from you. Then also think about hygiene. Make sure bottled water, brush your teeth with it. Stay away from ice. Think about what you're doing and think about what risks you're going to have when you're there. Next God forbid you should get sick while you're there. You want to think about travel insurance, evacuation insurance, and have that information somewhere where you can easily access it so that, God forbid, if something bad does happen, once again, you're prepared for every eventuality because this is all about preparation. And we mentioned, too, that it's not a bad idea to make photocopies of your passport, put one in your carry bag, one in your suitcase. Uh, it's funny, we went on a road trip a couple years ago, a bus trip to uh, Grand Canyon, like two and a half years ago. And we always put our passports, you know, inside the shirt in the, the chest uh, carrier, my husband does. And one day he decided to carry them in his pocket, in a deep pocket. And the next stop, we noticed that my passport was lost. And it showed up in the mail a couple months ago. <laughs> uh, it had fallen in the in the seat on the bus. So that was just lucky to not have to go through that process again. And you know what? There's also other safety issues as opposed to just health safety. 
And depending on where you're going, you should consider registering yourself with the Department of State, with the consular services in the place that you're going. For example, whenever I travel to Iraq, I always make sure that I'm, I'm registered with consular services in the country so that if there is some sort of civil unrest or any other problem that's going to happen on the ground, I know where my counselor is. I know where to go, and they know that I'm mm-hmm. there. And as you said, too, you don't want to just rent a car and hop in and drive away. You really need to understand the turf before you get behind the wheel. And again, whether you're here at home or in another country, wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. It can prevent so many problems, small and large, and uh, you don't want to share any cooties with other people. Mara, thank you so much for joining us. We've learned a lot, and I encourage our listeners to visit you at the Travel Medicine Center at Temple University Hospital. Is that where they'd find you besides being in the emergency room? We do have a we do have a travel medicine clinic at Temple University Hospital and you can call it's through the Department of Infectious Disease and we are happy to see you there and we're happy to work with you and help you develop an awesome plan for keeping you safe while you're abroad. Well, Maura, thank you. Send me a postcard from Temple and happy travels. (laughs) Will do. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to your radio doctor every Saturday at 5 p.m. here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Now very soon, our Nittany Lions will be back on the football field. So on some Saturdays, our show, Your Radio Doctor, will be moved to a different time. No worries. We'll give you plenty of notice if we air at a different time. It's mid-August, the time when we send our college kids back to campus and ready our younger kids for preseason sports. Please take your children for a routine doctor visit and make sure their vaccinations are up to date and give the pediatrician the opportunity to advise them about avoiding risky behavior. Sometimes it's easier for a young person to open up to an adult that's not their parent. And once your nest is empty and you consider a trip this fall, please seek the proper advice from a travel medicine specialist. A special thank you to our guest today, Dr. Morris Salmon, for her tips on safe travels regarding protection from mosquito-borne diseases like malaria, traveler's diarrhea, and travel, health, and evacuation insurance. If you have a friend or relative who's planning a trip, invite them to listen to today's show on odyssey.com. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y.com. And we hope that you're inspired by our weekly beautiful stories of your real champion, people who change their focus from their grief into a positive direction of healing by helping others. This is your radio doctor wishing you a happy, healthy, and safe week with the ones you love and always here to remind you that your health is your wealth. Thanks for listening to your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. To contact Dr. Marianne and to listen to today's show as well as past shows, visit yourradiodoctor.com.
This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Your Radio Doctor and their guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program has been pre-recorded. Millions of Americans are losing their medical assistance or Medicaid coverage. If this affects you, Independence Blue Cross can help. You may be eligible to enroll in a health plan for as little as $0 a month. With Independence Blue Cross, you get the largest provider network in the area, including most Keystone First doctors and hospitals. We also offer free 24-7 telemedicine, coverage for hospital stays and prescriptions. See if you qualify for $0 health insurance and enroll today. Call Independence Blue Cross at 1-844-464-2583 or visit ibx.com slash stay covered.